0: Hello. Before we start this uh, broadcast, I'm going to apologise in advance for a few little technical issues um, with this recording, which I'm pleased to say we've now overcome for the next one. Um, And had it been scripted or fully pre-prepared, I certainly would have re-recorded it. But as will become apparent as we go through, this was a sort of stream of consciousness job. Um, so we didn't really want to have to do it again because we didn't think we'd do it the same. So here for better or for worse is Cancer's Not For Everybody.
1: Hello. And welcome to this week's podcast where the artificial hipsters will cross the bridge. My name is Kieran Casey. And my name is Jim Corbett. And today we're going to get uh, a little bit personal and um, we're going to talk about you, Jim, and the
0: illness that you had for how long? Three years ago? I've still still got it, but I've had it for... Oh, near comp- Oh God, I can't remember how long it is now. It's uh, probably just coming up to three years. Three years. It might even be four. Okay, so
1: we're going to explore this um, a little bit on the basis that I don't know everything about it, but I suppose you know, fair to say, I I was sixty last September. You'll be 70 i I'm
0: seventeen next September.
1: Next September. So you know, chances are, if we all live long enough we're going to encounter uh, some kind of an illness and uh, hopefully the discussion today uh, might help us in terms of how we might approach it because I'm very curious about how you approach the gym but let's
0: maybe go back to you know when, when was it that you first I retired slightly early from the hospital not for because of this but um, because I just always wanted to retire early. My dad wanted to retire early. Uh, He set uh, 60 as his target, and he actually just about did it, but only because he had to have a triple bypass, that he decided that was the end of work for him, and I don't blame him. Um, I set a target which was 35, and uh, I fairly obviously missed that. Um, So anyway, so in the end, 35 turned into 64 and a half. Right. Uh And I retired from the hospital, and uh everything was fine and dandy we uh were looking forward to doing all sorts of things actually um
1: and your yeah, wife rosario,
0: was she yeah. retired or Virtually, business. yeah. I mean, yeah, she, yeah. she, she. No, actually, when I retired, she hadn't retired, but she did. She's about a year younger than me. Right. So yeah, after after the first year or so, she had also retired, but she was working part time as a nurse and a rehab coordinator in a local old people's home, and she'd been there for a good long while as well. Uh, Jim, and, how well, do you
1: feel about retirement? I mean, you are you, were,
0: you were obviously. Oh, I've been looking forward to it for ages. I couldn't wait to get out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm. I never just lived for a job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was fully engaged with a job. I loved my job to death, mm-hmm. and it was a real wrench actually to uh, to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even why, why there, did you I, say
1: you were looking forward to it? If it was there just other things you wanted
0: to to do, there was other things I wanted to do. There was. I knew there was other things I could give more time to that I was already doing. Mm-hmm. And I think it was also, I was getting very jaded, you know, after 40 years of hearing the same questions and giving the same answers. Um, I wasn't, I knew in my heart and soul, I wasn't doing as well as I should have done Mm. for the last year or so that I was uh, working. It was um, nothing terrible. I mean, you know, nobody would have dared to say such a thing to Mm. me Mm. (laughs) in the hospital, but I knew that's what was happening. Right, And um after slowing down, I suppose. Getting yeah. on. But you're still, when you retire, you're excited, you're looking forward. Yeah, to, absolutely. You're... And one of the things that I did want to do was I wanted to get fit again after 40 years behind a desk. Mm. You know, I, as you know, I'm six foot three, bru- bruiser. <laughs> bruiser, sometimes, but bruiser. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that, was, that was bruiser, not time. bruiser. Eh?
1: You said bruiser, not boozer.
0: Uh, well, I said both, actually. But, okay. Yeah, bruiser. You know, ex-soldier, ex-rugby player. I wasn't a soldier for very long. Football player, you and I played on the same team at one time. You did. Um, that was almost my last game, I think. But anyway. I was marking it um, that I got a few injuries, so that stopped me being very active. Right. You said something like that I didn't catch. It's probably just as well.
1: <laughs> I said I was marking it that day. so
0: <laughs> That's why I've got a few injuries that stopped <laughs> my career. Um, and and actually, the rugby stopped with a, with a vertebral fracture. Right, um, which wasn't much fun. But, uh, you know, I got over that. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, I decided... Get fit, get fit yeah. was one of your objectives. So I used to... I got... Uh, I was going to make some films as well. I was going to do a lot of filming, and I still yeah. do that from time yeah. to time. Um, I've been looking at podcasts as a song, but I didn't actually get around to it until we talked about it about six months ago. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: websites, I'd made loads of websites for other people. I was still involved with the scouts very heavily, and I've been involved with the scouts for the best part of 50, well, more than 50 years if you count boy service. Um, so anyway, there was all those things in the office, and I was gonna get fit. So there's a, near, near us in uh, Cork City, just on, there's a, a Marne Point, which people will know either as a shopping centre or as a housing estate, or as a geographical feature. And I'm talking about it as a geographical feature because there's an old railway that used to go from Cork City, well, it used to go to Marne Point. I don't know where else it used to go. I think it might have gone to, uh, I don't know where it went, but it was just one of those old railways that you come mm. across sometimes. And it's a sort of green walkway. Mm. And you can go get onto the uh, onto the, the walk at um, Parky Queef, and you can go all the way down the south bank of the River Lee until you come to the a little turn off to the right and that's the railway and you can go down there and you go down through sort of little tunnels and lots of beautiful wooded areas. And then you come to Black Rock and they've sort of rebuilt the, the station. Well, not quite the station, but the platforms and so on, where Black Rock station used to be. And you can come up there and you can get out into the road and uh, so on. So anyway, the whole thing goes around Marn Point, and then it goes back up again, the river road. Right. Um, Back to where it started from, Parkyqueef, and that whole circuit is about eleven kilometres. Wow! Uh, so I used to do that three times a week at um, a very stiff walking pace. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean fast marching. Um, it's straight I, from your
1: house, Jim. You just walk it. straight
0: down to oh, got okay. Um, Okay. And that would take me about. I'd got the time down quite well actually. So 11 k's it took me, I used to do it in two hours, which is pretty good going. So anyway, I was getting faster, I was losing weight, that was fine. And that went on for a while, and we we were great, you know, we were doing the things we always used to do. Uh, I went off and did a a, a bit of a uh, multi-media course in Mm contail. and that was good because that gave me a few little skills to play with, uh, not least of which was sound mixing, which I've been using here. Yeah. and so, you know, everything in the garden was lovely. And um, Rosario and I also used to go for a walk uh, locally. There was a, a, a religious uh, house, which had a quite a big estate with it. And we could walk around. They used to let people walk around the grounds. And that was a, a decent walk. I remember uh, um, our, well, your friend and my wife's brother, Bernard. Oh, Bernard, yeah, yeah. He came down here to do it it uh, was well, not just to do that, but he did it, he did it, used to do it in three rings at a time. He was a great walker, so he used yeah. to go like the clappers yeah. before he'd come in again. Um anyway, that was fine. Everything was happy. And about it was a bit before just as COVID was starting to belt. Okay. So what would that be? 2020? Early 20, I think it was March 20 that we got. March 20, guess, yeah. So I was doing that walk and we went, we did the small walk around the thing. And i would noticed that I've been getting a bit slower. Mm. Um, I've been losing weight, which I thought was all good because that was what I was mm. trying to do to get more fit. And I'd been overweight. I still am. <laughs> um, yeah. And we, we were coming back from the short walk and we have to walk up a quite steep but short little hill mm. near us back to our, our house. And I couldn't get up it. It was just like breathlessness. I was just, and Mazari had been on at me about it for ages. So in the end, I thought i better get onto the onto the quack. So I found my GP, great bloke. I remember him as a as a registrar in the hospital. Mm. Um, and at first, we thought it was something else. So I'd been to the hospital with something. I had this sort of non-specific um, pain in my. Ribs, which actually had um, – uh, 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 it was well documented. It's called costochondritis, and quite a oh, lot yeah. of people get it. Yeah, uh, And it's quite sore, yeah. but it's easily treatable with drugs as so well. So we tried the drugs, and it went away, and we thought that was great. Then yeah. it came back with a vengeance. And I tried the drugs again, and it didn't work. Mm. I had a nerve block done on that, which is an interesting little procedure. It doesn't really hurt, but it's they put it in to try and block off the pain from there. And that sort of work, but not really. And I thought, this is odd. So I got onto my doc, and of course, it was a time of no appointments and everything all done on the phone. And I spoke to him a couple of times and he said, Oh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it is caustic and dry to still we'll go with that. Two weeks later, still no change. And he said, Hmm, that's a bit strange. I wonder schools causing that. So, you so no
1: change in terms of pain or no
0: change you still
1: can't walk up this hill or or uh,
0: the, the walking bit was getting worse. Okay. Business was getting worse. Right. The big thing that really got me was it was I was getting really breathless. Right. So I went to uh, eventually after I'd been talking to the doc for about six weeks, he said, "Look, you'll have to come in and see me because this is this is starting to sound not right." Mm. So I went in to see him, um, and he said, "And now people are going to start throwing things at me when I say this now." What i'm about to say because he went gave me blood to give me an absolute top to tail literally in every respect uh inspection everything was fine except for one particular test result which i can't remember and he described that as being off the desk it wasn't just off the off the, right. the, the line um so i said right and he said have you got any other symptoms Well, now, the only one I did have, well, I'd ignored it. I had a little, I had a lump in my chest, Mm. breast, suppose you call it. Um, And it was like, um, it wasn't hard. You know, I know what the symptoms of breast cancer are, certainly in women, you know, you get a little hard Mm. uh, pea-sized lump that doesn't move when you press it or move, try to move it about. And I'd actually, because I'd had a suspicion about something 10 years before, I'd actually had to, all those tests, but mm-hmm. it wasn't growing it anyway. So and, and that particular problem went away completely. Didn't, there was no issue. Anyway, I got this one, and it felt like it didn't feel like the pee. It felt like a a, a shampoo sachet, if I can put it that way, under the skin. It was sort yeah. of fluid. About you know, it's like fluid, and mm. I thought that must be a cyst. Mm. I told him about that, and he goes, oh, don't think it's that. He said, if that, he said, I can't feel anything in there that feels, um, you know, wrong. And it wasn't just him, actually. Everybody said the same thing mm. uh, later. Ages to find it. Um, so anyway, he said, well, you have to go to the hospital so, and have a, a fine. So I was going for a checkup actually, after the, the, the uh, pain treatment I'd had. And I was sitting in that consultant's office, Um and the phone call came on my phone from my GP and he said, This isn't looking good. So I said, What do you think? He said, I'm not going to say anything until I've seen the test results. I said, Well, do you think it's cancer? Because that was the obvious thing that I was thinking mm. would give me all the symptoms that I had. And he said, Well, it could be, but that means yes, in Doctor Speak. Mm. So I handed him over to the other to the consultant at the time, and they had a long, intense conversation. And it was agreed. This while you're there, Jim, is it? Eh? Hey? This oh, is, yeah. You're in the. You know, they all know me. I mean, I know I'm all by their first and so I worked in hospital for 20 years. I mean, that's, they're all personal friends, but well, most of them. Um, and I said, he said they were anyway. The, the consultant said to me, "You'll have to come in." So I thought now. So he said, "Yeah." I said, well, it's not that sort of emergency? You get in now." Mm. And he said, uh, well, no, but we need to get this sorted out quick. And you need to, uh, we've got to work you up, as they call it, which is basically shorthand for giving you every test they can think of okay, um, until they find out what the problem is. So I thought, okay. So I said, well, look, there's no point in doing this. It's a Friday. I said, I'll come in on Monday morning, and that'll give you time to find a bed anyway. So, yeah, okay, that was agreed. That was fine. I said, look, I'm not going to sit in hospital over the weekend with nobody doing anything because I'll only catch something else if it's not mm-hmm. COVID. So, you know. And Jim, just uh, to 70. just to where were we
1: in in COVID at this date? Were we on a kind of full lockdown and
0: uh close, yeah. Right. Okay. In fact, we were in lockdown. Okay. Um and the hospital was um Certainly, at a stage where it had substantially reduced admissions, but of course that wasn't pure emergency admissions. And thank God in Ireland and certainly in Cork, it wasn't cancer admissions. Right, they were curtailed a bit, but they never stopped. Yeah. Um, so that was that was definitely a lifesaver for me. Yeah, as it yeah. turns out. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Monday morning. I'm starting to feel a bit ropey by now. I can't walk very far. I'm breathing like an old. 80-year-old, 40-a-day man. Now, you know, I've not been a saint all my life. I used to smoke 40-a-day myself at one time. Mm -hmm. I managed to stop about, uh, I don't know, 12 years ago. I can't even remember how long it was. It was a long time.
1: Yeah. Um, Did, did, Did the potential diagnosis and the fact that the suspicion of cancer, did that impact you physically as well did you feel that you were kind of even more drained than you were or or did you not have enough
0: time to think about it you only had a weekend I didn't have much time to think about it okay but I did I actually in a way I was almost relieved because I knew something was wrong okay seriously wrong and I had you know I had terrible pains the pains in my chest from this what we thought had been called costochondritis and the first time it had been um it was real, you know. But it was it was like achy pain. It was like the pain you get when you when you've got a, a sprained muscle or or a mm. bit of arthritis somewhere. You know, that was that sort mm-hmm. of pain. Pains of a type that I'm quite used to in my life. I mean, mm. done all the things I've done and broken all the bones I've broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I get I, I'm used to that sort of pain, especially back pain, um, mm. quite a lot. So, anyway, long story short, went in on Monday, got all the tests done. And they had, Now, one thing I will do, which I don't normally do, is I'll give a shout out for some people in this because there are some key players who yeah. got their a bit right. One was my GP who definitely um, got it absolutely right. But I was admitted under one of the um, physicians, uh, Dr. Gemma Brown, who was magnificent. I've known her for years. I knew her husband and so on. Um, and he worked in the hospital at one time. Um, and she was great. And you know, very caring, very good at explaining everything. Uh, she was a, she's a, not a, a cancer an oncologist; she's a general physician with a, with an interest in um, uh, kidneys, as I recall. Okay. Um, so she had me, and the, basically, the, the way the hospitals, all hospitals do this: you come in under one general physician, or maybe a surgeon, depending on what your problem is. Um, to find out what's wrong with you. And when they find out what's wrong with you, the system starts to get into specialisation, and we say, well, okay, this is a bit of that. So we'll try you with this, this specialty or that sort of thing. So, and they just work it down until the they work out what they think, mm. what type of thing they think it is, and then you get referred to the specialist. Mm. So I'd been in there for a week, and it, by now it was pretty obvious it was cancer. That was the only thing that would give all these strange test results that I was, that I was getting. Mm. Um, they thought at one time it was leukemia and it wasn't. I was very relieved that it wasn't because at my age leukemia is not funny. Okay. Um and then they thought it was uh the one the queen died from. I don't know what it was, but I can't remember the name of it now, but it's, it's a more generalized thing. And a lot of them said to me, Oh, well that one's not so bad. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of people walking about with that. You'll you'll that all we can do something about that. So yeah, Hudson's? Uh, no. Uh, it's called. No, it's no. uh, don't worry, don't worry. I it anyway, but yeah. <laughs> it was, exactly, you didn't have it. Well, that's that's not so bad, but all the yeah. time I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, because they were all non-plus, they couldn't make out what it was. Mm. And then in the end, they decided that it was time we came back to this lump. Mm. So many people all the way through had thought, no, no, that's not, no, that's not what it's like, that's not what it cancer doesn't do that. Mm. But they're right, cancer didn't do that. But I would get this is the second shout out now. She's Dr. Uh, Peter Macanini, who's a consultant radiologist at the Mercy um, and one of my closest friends. And he's a, a really good bloke who likes a pint, um, but he is just an ace radiologist. So I went, Peter took me down to the uh, X ray room for uh, a biopsy. And I thought, this is going to work. Mm. Look what happens in biopsy? And you know, they put this bleeding great needle into you. And then snap a bit off the end, get like a grabber, grabs uh-huh. the lamp at the end. Now, it's all in fairly micro sizes, but yeah, I, yeah. you know, I don't like the sound of this needle getting pushed in. Well, Peter is a wizard, and um, so I was able to. I went in, went to so they got one of these sort of bloody scanners, and it's because it, you can see it all on it's not radial, no, it must have been uh, must have been ultrasound, I suppose, or something like that. Could have been a magnetic. MRI hmm my people, whatever it was, we could all sit around it. They could, it's more, they could sit around me looking at the screen. And I could I always make a point of looking at the screen because I love having watching all this stuff, mm. seeing what it means. And then and so Peter, and then, sure enough, there was this little shape on the screen, the size of a uh, of a look like, <laughs> like a sachet of shampoo. And I could you see You said it was right on a lung, look, isn't Yeah. yeah. And he's got he's he's got I can see he's got a he's got a big gun thing that's got the needle on the end of it, and he's just sort of pushing gently and he you could see it sort of giving gently. So all right. the sensations I'd have from the outside were all now being replicated on the right. inside. Right. And then he gave a bit of a push and we went in.
1: Right. To, the needle pierced the sachets. The
0: pierced the sachets, in. yeah. And then he, he took various samples from all in all different parts of this because I suppose the uh the, the cyst, it was a cyst, but I suppose the cyst was about, I don't know, it felt enormous, but it was probably no more than two inches long. I mean, it was okay. I'd say it was about the size of, yeah, about the size of a sachet. Champagne. Jim, yeah.
1: yeah, just the pause you there then. So yeah. up until that point, having five days of tests, Everyone knows there's something wrong. Yeah. The working assumption that it's cancer. Yeah. Is the search then to find out where the source of the cancer is? And that's well,
2: why. Yes, to, the... what, to
0: find out what type of cancer it is. Okay. And okay. what where the source is. Okay. That's certainly true. Okay. They went to a big conference because they had the for cancer cases, they had these huge multidisciplinary conferences where people consultants from all different hospitals and different specialists all turn up to see if they can help find a diagnosis. Mm. And I said, Do you know, he said, I think, and they were talking about some of the past results, and he said, I think I've seen that before. And I said, what's that, what is it in? He said, it's breast cancer. It's male pattern breast cancer, and it's lodged itself right down in the corner of the cyst. But then came the good bit, and the good bit was that it had started to spread, and it had spread into my blood. Why is that the good bit? Well, I was being tongue-in-cheek. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't a good bit at all. And it had spread around. And so it was starting to gather at major points um, where the blood is produced, which are the, are the sort of large bones of the body. From So it, it's sort of your pelvic bones and your hips and places like that, and shoulders, you can right. gather less. And actually, in certain sorts of scan, if you see if you see a little takeover scan, you've got little bright bits when you have the radioactive stuff you, you drink. Right. So that was good and bad news. Uh, so um, Gemma came in to me and she said, this, this is what this is. She said, we're going to the oncology uh, multidisciplinary team in a couple of days. So we'll, they'll all look at it and see what they think can be done. So I said, okay. And she said, but I'm going to start you off on a particular drug now, mm. which can't do any harm. He said, and she said, and it may well be a good thing to start it early. Well, she did, and it was. Mm. So, but it, when I say early, I mean, it's a couple of weeks later, I realized it was yeah. better. So, where
1: are we time wise now? So, after that five- Now yeah, we're days. about
0: at a day 10, I suppose, in okay. the hospital. Okay. You're still in the hospital? Yeah. i in okay. hospital all the time. Okay. And I was feeling pretty ropey. I right. mean, I, I was not in a good place. And uh, it was, oh, it's the breathlessness, really, mm. and and the pain. But the pain, you know, a few painkillers, blah, 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 was uh, controllable, not a problem. Mm. So, um, but every now and again, ask, getting me now, actually, just under my shoulder blades, but it'll go away in a minute. Mm. Um, How does the breathless? where does the breathlessness come from? Ah, good question. Mm. Um Basically, it's the body's response to fighting off the trying to fight the cancer is very strong. Okay. And so it uses up a lot of your resources. And it's like going for a marathon. Right. You're out of breath because your body's actually going like the clappers. Right. It's, as I understand it, no doubt a consultant would tell me I was talking rubbish. But right. that's, what it, that's what I understood it to mean.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So uh, that was that. And then I went. To, of course, there's no visiting because we're in COVID. Yeah. Even though I was a former big shot in the hospital, um, no visiting, no visiting, you know. So, and I was happy enough. That, so, yeah, yeah. So, that's, you know, yeah.
1: What was your um, state of mind then, Jim, at that stage? Can you remember?
0: <clears throat> well, I knew that this could not end well or mm. might not end well. Mm. Um, and that, uh, you know, maybe the game was up. Mm. But, I've always been pretty fatalistic about these sort of things. I don't know if that was something I got from the army or from my dad or from where I don't know. But um, you know, I thought, well, I grip my fucking teeth and it'll just have to be as it is, Mm. and I'll uh, I'll get through it or I won't get through it. But either way, you know, you accept.
1: I'd say you accept reality very quickly, don't you? You, you, you...
0: Um, Well, I did. In yeah. this case, I, I, I think some people, and, and that's not because I'm particularly good, that's just me. I just, that's my makeup. I mean, it's not because I'm mm. be brave or anything like that. Um, I just, mm. I you know, I have a certain faith at the back of everything as well. So that carried me through to some degree religious faith, yeah, yeah. So, um, anyway, Gemma came into me on about a, I think it was about the Wednesday and she, so this is I think it was about the 10th day and she said right they have had the conference and she didn't look very happy and I thought oh shit here it comes and um, and, and actually the day before Rosari and uh, one of my daughters had been able to be smuggled in by some of the nurses to see me and I think they were a bit taken aback by I'd obviously gone downhill in that 10 days in a way that I, I couldn't entirely recognised Yeah, Um, but I was still I mean I could walk, I was walking about actually on one occasion I had to go for another scan up to another hospital Um, they decided they'd found problems in in one of my vertebrae they decided to give me a blast of uh, radiation because apparently that does helps the healing of bones if you give it a blast of radiation so they did that and it did Um, and I got myself there and got myself back in a taxi from the Mercy uh, rather than bother with an ambulance, mm.
2: um,
0: so I could do things like that. I could walk short distances, mm. um, pretty short actually, but I could walk for short distances. But, um, but
1: Rosario and was it was it Aoife, your daughter? Yeah, that went it, yeah. They would have, have not seen you in the flesh, I suppose. No, they had not they... seen me for
0: 10 days, you see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thought... I could tell by their faces that they were quite shocked. Yeah, and how do you feel
1: there? And I, I, don't, I won't keep diving into this, but I'm just curious, do you feel? that, okay, I can, I, I'm dealing with this. I can deal with this because I, I, from all the years I know you, as I said, I think you are someone that if, if it is what it is, then you kind of accept it. You seem to accept it quicker than others. Well, um, I accepted it, but I didn't give into it. No, no, I get that. I get that. But, you know, you would have justifiable cause for anger, you know, just retired and this has happened. You don't tend to do that. Those kind of.
0: I wasn't angry.
1: Causes. I was a bit disappointed, but I wasn't angry. Right. But then
0: Maybe, the but... impact
1: that it's having on, on, on your wife and daughter and what you've witnessed that day, does that hit you a little bit as well? Does that hurt a bit?
0: It did then. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it would now. Yeah. But we've, we've reached a different level of equilibrium now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But is
1: it an extra burden on everything else? Well, of course. It is. The, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually mainly for them, not for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I just have to get on with things because I yeah. don't have a choice, but yeah. they do have choices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so she was telling me what yep. had happened in the, in the conference, yep. and she said that a, a number of the doctors were sort of not sure what could be done. And now I come to the major shout out, which is Professor Seamus O'Reilly, who's one of the undoubtedly one of the best, but also one of the best known oncologists in Ireland. Absolutely brilliant clinician um anybody who has Seamus O'Reilly as their consultant has got all the chances that they're going to be able to get
2: yeah.
0: um yeah you know he's not he's not a miracle worker he won't wave a magic wand over something that's impossible to cure yeah but he, he's as close as you get without yeah. uh, in, in, in current circumstances. Mm. And he's a leading light in loads of uh, research and stuff like that. Anyway, I was referred to Seamus, who I knew, again, of course I knew who he was. I knew him uh, because he worked at the Mercy for a bit. He does most of his practice at CUH. Um, in fact, he works at the Mercy all the time, but, I mean, he's, he's, he's the major part of his practice is at CUH, mm. um, which is the cancer centre for Munster. So, um They said, right. So I'd I'd said, look, okay, we know what it is now. It's breast cancer, male pattern breast cancer. It's not very common, but okay, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And now I've got to do my best to fight through it with all these drugs they're going to give me. uh, Or I didn't know if it was going to be um, uh, proper chemo, you know, five times a week for three weeks or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And was surgery ever discussed? I asked about that. I asked Seamus that the first time I saw him. Was there a surgical option? He said no, not for this, because it's so disparate. Okay. So I thought, okay, fair enough. Now the other good thing that came out of it was that the rest of my organs were in spanking condition. Okay. Um Niven. nothing wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. and there was at one point there was a query, query, did I have a spot on one of my lungs, but I didn't in mm. fact when they repeated the test and we did something else it wasn't, it was just I think I'd had a, a, a cold or something a few weeks before and it left a little lesion but that went so um, anyway that was alright so I'm discharged and I said well look I'm going to go away with my wife for a couple of days, we're going up to Mayo to mm. relatives of hers up there uh, for a couple of days just to get my head straight again and I'll Go and see Seamus as soon as I get back. I said we won't be going for long, maybe a week Well, we went for five days in the end. And we had a great time, it was lovely, you know, it was all and I did get my head straight as far as you can. Um, but I was very limited in what I could do. Mm. Um anyway, went to see Seamus. I went on my own, didn't want anybody else to come with me, and I still see him on my own. And it's not because I keep any secrets from anybody, but I want to be the first one who knows.
2: Right.
0: So um it's funny because he knew him. I said, Oh, hello, Seamus. He said, Hello, James. How are you? You know, he's all right. And he sat down, he said, How are you? <laughs> and I said, Well, I think you should know that better than me. <laughs> and he looked at me and he held his hands up and he put them together and he said, This is cancer. So I thought, Well, I know, at least I know now for sure, for certain. But of course, I'm sure he does that. To stop people thinking, oh, maybe it's not, maybe it's something. It's like this is a cancer. Get on with it. Yeah. This is how. This is where it is, which was fine by me. And that's uh, what he did. So, was there a doubt up till then? Well, people are funny people. You know, funny things that they, they, people can hold out false hopes for ages. Mm. I mean, I, I won't mention any names, but someone that I, I knew uh, tried to convince me that it was all to do with the sugar problem, okay. and that if I stopped taking sugar, I didn't need any drugs. So I didn't see her again. Right. Uh, No, it's not quite right. That's not quite how much it was, and it wasn't her who was doing it. She was recounting somebody else's experience to me. Um, But I didn't believe it, because I never go with snake oil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they never work. Yeah. And basically, the message is, keep taking the tablets. And I don't care who says it doesn't help you, it bloody well does. So the fact that I'm talking to you now is proof that it does. yeah. So got the... um, Kieran... uh, Kieran... Seamus said yeah it's definitely male pattern breast cancer it's formed in this cyst which was originally um, benign but you know somehow something's got in there and it's set off and I said to him I suppose this serves me right for all those years of smoking and he said no nothing to do with that he said it's nothing to do with smoking so I said, well, that's a bloody nuisance. I wouldn't have stopped if I'd known that was kind of funny. <laughs> he didn't think that was very funny. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he told me it was. And then he explained what the treatments would be. Mm. And it's uh there's one drug which Gemma had already started me on, so that was good. Mm. Uh that's a daily tablet. And then there's uh a series of there was a calcium tablet to build up calcium in the bones. There was another thing, I think it was vitamin D or something. Or it was, it was to promote the absorption of vitamin D into the bones, because it make them stronger. When they're stronger, they're more resistant to the cancer, and so on. Uh, there was uh, then there was three infusions. Well, not infusions. There was one infusion, which was a bone strengthening strengthening stuff called Zometa,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and that was. Uh, I used to get that in the outpatients. Clinic um, that Mercy runs oncology outpatients for uh, every month, once a month, supposed to get that. I don't get that at the moment for reasons which will come to And does uh, that
1: involve going in and sitting there?
0: From, yeah, just sitting a, kind a of a drip, drip, is it? for an or? hour and getting your stuff yeah. put in. You okay. did make my I used to feel a bit tired afterwards, but that was all. Okay. Um, and then I have two injections, one of which is monthly, uh, which is Big noise anti-cancer hormone treatment. Okay, and the other one is I can't remember what the other one's for. It might be an anti-cancer treatment, or it might be another bone strength. I can't remember. But anyway, that was uh, that one is three monthly. Okay. Actually, I think that's a cancer one as well. So I've got these. I've got various different anti-cancer bits. Right, it in every now and again. Um, Include and then I've got another drug which counteracts the effects of one of the ones I have to take because it okay. might make me feel sick and not touch your stomach and so on, so things like that. So that's basically it. So when I wake up in the morning, I take six tablets. Uh, so this, if I just
1: go back to James O'Reilly, yeah, James. Said, this is cancer, yeah, and here's the treatment. Yeah, you get these injections, you take these tablets. Um, it, is that you? From there um living. Oh, a... he
0: said this. He said this is a long-term treatment. All right. He said, and uh, we often find that the major elements, which is the injections, um, sometimes are limited. In that, after a while, the body won't uh, tolerate them any longer.
2: Right.
0: And he said, if that happens, we put you onto another one. Okay. Um, and we'll see. You know, and and he said he said different. Modalities of this treatment are being developed all the time. So there's, right. there's always another one. There's always another one. You know, there's a new one comes out every six weeks. And, you know, you might change the drugs every 18 months, every two years, maybe never. Actually, as it turns out, it changed after a bit over a year. But in um, the
1: early stages, when he outlined that treatment plan
0: yeah.
1: and what, what you know, you've got injections, you've to come to the hospital once yeah. a month for the infusion. Did you feel reassured? Did you feel...
0: Oh, yes, I did. Yeah. Definitely, definitely I felt yeah. reassured. Yeah. Um, because, and this is the key, I I think this is the most important thing, and I say this to everybody who asks me, um, about, to explain my mental attitude to this, but I think it's something a lot of people could adopt to, and that was, I said to him, as I'd said to Gemma Brown before, I'm never going to ask you how long I've got, because I don't want to know. And I said, I don't want to know, not because I'm afraid of it, but before I was ill, I didn't know how long I was going to live. And today, I still don't know how long I'm going to live. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we carry on. And that's been my approach all the time. It's a wonderful approach. And still is.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's, I don't see any point in knowing, you know, that I've got three months or six months or two years or three years. I mean, all of those are about to come wrong, so it wouldn't matter anyway. Um, I know enough about doctors to know that they never give long-term prognostications anyway, except after a certain number of years, they might decide that you've been cured. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I
2: have
0: got there either yet.
1: Um, Were you curious, though, Jim, or, or did you curious and then force yourself not to ask? Or did you just never come into your mind to ask? Um,
0: it never came into my mind to ask. Other people asked me. Of course. If yeah. I knew. Yeah. And I always said no. Um, I think my... Because I've never let anybody come with me to see Seamus, um, I, my, my family always think I'm holding something back from them, which I really am. i I'm not. <laughs> i'm saying on this
2: uh yeah
0: on, on this podcast they'll recognize as being what i've said to them over the years yeah um so that's where we are uh and that's basically it now <clears throat> i have had a couple of um you know and result of that was i came out of hospital uh started taking the tablets and after a while things settled down a bit and mm. the breathlessness has never gone away but it's got better
1: mm.
0: it's definitely got better
1: um and why is the breathlessness if is it because the
0: body's continuing this battle with the cancer it's partly that but it's also now the drugs themselves okay the drugs themselves put a big load on your metabolism okay so that can cause it as well now i can sit here with you and my uh pulse rate and my breath rate breathing rate will be absolutely normal my blood pressure has been fine throughout right um to which i think the other person i've talked about which is professor uh Carl Vaughan at the a cardiologist who's been he's been treating me off and on. Well not treating me so much but keeping an eye on, on. I me mean, anyway for a long time now and he recognized a few months ago that um my pulse rate was a bit high because I went to something else hmm. um, which turned out to be nothing and he uh so he put me on a tablet which got my pulse rate back down to normal levels. And that was fine. So that's so they're not really hiccups. They're, they are just hiccups because I, I didn't really have any ill mm. effects in that. But that helped with the breathlessness as well when the pulse rate came down a bit. Um, what was a day in the life
1: like? You know, what was a day in the life like, when you're starting on this program? Um, the breathlessness, I'm sure, kept you maybe less mobile than you wanted to be.
2: Yeah.
0: Were you well, eating, the, sleeping, everything as, as normal? Or? Yeah, no, I sleep pretty well. Mm. Um, I always did sleep well, off and on, but mostly I was well. And most of the time now I sleep fairly well. Mm. Um, Sometimes I wake up a couple of times in the night or something, or whatever. I get weird aches and pains all the time. Mm. Um, But they're very much like the back pains I've always had all my life, a lot of them. I get them sometimes in different places. (laughs) I still get the rib pains occasionally, Nice. Um, if I eat a lot or something, I can hardly walk for ages. I mean, I yeah. sort of get like minor stomach cramps almost. It's no right. stupid bloody fault. I should be taking it more carefully than I do sometimes. Mm. Um, so, do you have a glass of wine? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Mm. I've never stopped doing anything like that. Right. Um, now, the other setback I did have, which was a serious one, or two, actually, one was after about six weeks. I had a phone call from Seamus, and he said, Jim. So I said, him, he said where are you? And that's always bad when they say that to you. Mm. So I said, I'm at home. He said, come up to me. I'm out, in my outpatient. So I said, when? He said, now. All right. Don't like that. I said, oh, fuck. I don't like the sound of this. So I went out. I said, well, what is it? He said, you've got a clock. So I thought, oh, dear. All right, I'll come up now. So I got in a car, went up to his outpatient clinic in CUH, and he said, you've got a clot on your lung, which showed up in the last scan, because I have scans, you know, routine mm. tools, showed up in the, one be- the one, last one, which had only been a week before. So I said, oh, what do we do about that? And he said, you inject yourself with this stuff, these two little things, morning and evening. So I said, okay, I think I can do that. And they showed me how to do it. And it wasn't as bad as you might imagine it would be <laughs> It was all right uh trouble is when you do a lot do it for a long time and you're doing sort of four injections a day effectively i think it was four mm. um they usually go into your stomach you see around mm. back. but after a bit you sort of find you've got no unpricked bits because and they're all a little bit the only sore if you try and put a needle in the same place again, but you think, oh, it's getting a bit difficult to sort this out now. But anyway, um, after about – I was on those for about six weeks, ten weeks. Right. And then I went back to see him again. He said, oh, can you stop right now? Right. So I said, has it gone? He said, no, it hasn't gone, but it ain't going anywhere. Okay. Um, he said, your, your body will slowly get rid of it. What we've done now is give you the wherewithal not to – not to have another one, we hope. And certainly since then, there has not been another one, I'm pleased to say. So that's all right. And then the next pan, next bit, which was uh, nasty was, um, I went in for the routine infusion when they always take blood tests. And I went went and see, I went to Seamus the following week and he's got all the results. And he said, oh, your platelets are a bit low so I said, is that bad? He said, well, it might be. But he said, I'll refer you to the haematologist. Now, platelets are the thing that make your blood clot.
1: Thicken, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, I went in to see her, and she said, yes, your platelets are a bit low. So I said, well, what's low? She said, well, the normal number, the the." You know, we we look to see a figure of about 150. I don't know what it is, 150 something like that. But we look for a figure of 150 on the test. And I said, "Well, what's mine?" She said, it's "79." Okay. I said, oh, "That is a bit low." What do I do about that? She said, "Well, look, at the moment, nothing, because in itself, that's not dangerous. You'll you'll still get by with 79. You'll be all right. So uh, we'll just hope it stops there." And that's it. It is a known side effect of some of these. So, so the fear would be if you got a cut or something
1: that you'll have yeah. accepted bleeding in the bleeding. At
0: 79, that's not a serious issue. It will mm-hmm. it will stop bleeding if you hold it tight. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll go off. Um, but she said, I'm going to get you to have weekly tests now. And we'll see. So I have weekly tests and it slowly dropped. Well, the one slow. It was quite quick, actually. It went down to 29. Mm-hmm. And she said, right, I think I'll we'll do something about this now. So there's this... Stuff, I can't I'm going to struggle to remember the bloody name. It's hemoglobulin, God, hemoglobulin or something But they give you this uh, globul- globulin. Hemoglobulin, I think that's what it is. And it it's spun off from blood donations. Uh and it's it's in little bottles that are only about all oh, tiny bottles, um, about uh, four inches high. They're not like syringes, syringe bottles. They're a bit bigger than that.
1: Hmm. Um, like a shampoo, it, 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 like the, the shampoo that you get, in. Let's keep the shampoo analogy wrong, too. <laughs> the little bars <laughs> of shampoo you get in hotels, like something like
0: that. Um, no, it's, it's, it's slightly bigger than a, oh, than yeah. a, a whiskey miniature. That's what it that way. Okay, okay. Um, so anyway, she said, you've got to have these. I said, oh, how often do I have to have that? She said, well, you're going to come in overnight. So I said, "Come in." What do you mean, impatient? She said, "Yeah." And it turns out because it's very thick, this stuff hmm. and it takes well comparatively, and it takes ages to get in through the drip. Right. Um. So, and I had to have ten bottles. Right. So they basically put one on for an hour, and then you have to leave it for a bit, and then they put another one. So anyway, they give you six. And then they have a bit of a rest. And then they give you another four or something. And then however long it takes, it takes ages. It's an overnight job, basically. Right. And I just about got out before we went into the third day. It depends entirely how quickly your body can actually take the stuff in. Okay. So mine took it in fairly quickly. So um, that was all right. And then I went back to Tramers. Uh, and he said, "Oh, it was good. I just gone up. I thought, what he gone up to? He said, 49. Wow. but it's still a bit bloody low mm. we'll see what happens and actually apparently I now know from what people have said to me the process of recovery here it's very common that that happens with people who've got cancer and they're having certain things especially it was it was the um the inject one of the injections I was getting mm. the monthly one was the problem so um it, it stopped me on that straight away as soon as this problem arose so I had this um treatment they waited and waited and waited for a bit and after about three months it was up to 70 I think and then he put me back on a new cancer uh, maybe more than three months I can't remember put me on a new cancer drug and that seemed to work and I stood that very well no problem with it uh, and now my platelets are back up in, uh, in, in it virtually be. in the normal range again yeah. so um, that's fine But these are the little hiccups that you face along the way. Now, in terms of where I'm now, after Mm. as I say, it's 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 over three years now. Mm. Um, I'm not, I think, nothing like as mobile as I was. And part of the difficulty I've got at the moment is working out what is the normal process of aging. Now, okay, I'm 70 next month. That's not that old these days. Mm. And I was chasing my boys up the road um at 70 admittedly he just had a triple heart bypass so he could he wouldn't have been able to do it before that mm. but um so i i've got uh i i can't i can walk on the flat fairly well and if i haven't had anything or much to eat i can i can walk further and if i can stop for five minutes every now and again i'm fine i can get up and start again um, I have to keep taking the painkiller, and I must say I try not to take it as much as I can. But I'm on, I don't. I, you're silly being like that. I know it is. But that was is that
1: always, always your attitude to painkillers?
0: Generally, yeah. Um, I, I always take the this first two, and because I can take eight paracetamols a day. I don't. I only take a paracetamol, right. um, so I could take eight in a day. Um, there was a time because I was uh, I was given uh, prescribed um, ibuprofen as well. Yeah, and early on I was taking both, right, in full doses, uh, and I was getting a lot of back pain, shoulder pains, uh, pains across my chest, just rib at the ribs. It yeah. was the the rib junctions really were causing a problem. You felt you needed that level of painkiller. I did then. Yeah, and then you want to keep taking the ibuprofen, so because they they are like. Um, you know, they're like a, they're, they're not a steroid, but they're like a steroid. They have that sort of. Definitely like Were you on opioids at all? At ever any stage? No, now?
1: no.
0: Never, no. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's good so far. Have you
1: have you an input into
0: that? Is that a discussion with the with the? Well, yeah, because I said, well, up to a point. I mean, that I I'd say <laughs> to Seamus because when he started me off on because he only gave me one. and he said, tell me if it gets too bad. And after bit, I thought, I think I ought to have something else in between. He so, said, mm. because it was getting difficult, my ribs were getting really difficult to turn over in bed, and if I was in bed and so on. So um, so he started me off on on the, the ibuprofen, and then he said, uh, oh um he said, if you feel you don't need them, just stop taking them. Mm. So I said, fine. So I tried to stop, but I slowly came off of them. And actually, after about three or four months. I found that I could do, I'd, I'd only have one every now and again, and now I don't have them at all. Um, I don't know, I still I just have paracetamol, and I haven't had an ibuprofen for about a year now. Right.
2: Um,
0: so I've taken that as a good time. Yeah. But I'm not getting the uh, those things. And I said to him, what's this What's this story of story my spinal pain? Because that's still the core uh, of, of, of my pain. It's not the only one, but it's spinal pain. And he, he's looking at all the x-rays. Everybody's looked at the x-rays. He said, that's wear and tear. And that's okay. my old rugby injury.
1: So did this would sort have of happened anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's something to consider, isn't it? There's like... a lot of things like that that would have happened anyway. Anyway, I, yeah. some of them might have been um, accelerated a bit. So my hips yeah. get a bit sticky sometimes. Right. Um, I've got no cruciate ligament in one uh, knee after I fell off a motorbike yeah. a thirty years ago, um, and so that gets very grindy and noisy now mm. occasionally. Um, my um, my arms are as strong as they ever were, my upper body, but my legs are not as strong as they were. Mm. So, um, and I do, if I do any exertion, it will bring on the breathlessness fairly quickly. Now, most of the time I can just push through that, but not always. And mm. quite often I'll have to sit down. So when I go, for example, I mean, now I'm, I'm not saying that I'm fine because I'm not fine. Mm. Um but I can still do quite a lot of things on my own if I put my mind to it. Um, mm-hmm. Three weeks' time, I'm going off to see Tottenham playing at home because I've got a season yeah. ticket.
1: You, you went um, to see Tottenham quite um, a lot in the last year, didn't you?
0: Yeah. And I can go, I go on think, my own. Do
1: you, do you think that going to Tottenham had a positive impact on your health
0: overall? Or How could it possibly be anything else? <laughs> <laughs> It's not always been positive for my psychological health <laughs> certainly not <laughs> last season but I'm um, great hopes for the season to come. Right. Um, so you so you're,
1: you're good you're you're good now in um, terms. you're you're as, you're as good as you should be at the moment. Well
0: I'm feeling much better than I did when I went into hospital. Yeah yeah yeah. Um I can walk about I was out in town walking about. I do get you know I get back pain and I get a bit of shoulder pain sometimes. Mm. Which makes me, oh God, I can I can keep walking. Mm. But um it's sort of getting to the point where, oh shit, I don't want to keep doing this.
2: Mm.
0: If I sit down, especially if I can get a comfortable chair somewhere, I, it's like it's like getting a shot of heroin after or yeah. like a shot of heroin is like. And I can in five minutes I'm up I'm up again. Yeah. Now I'm never gonna run anywhere. I'm never gonna break any walking records, I'm never gonna go around the man point loop in two hours. I won't get Anywhere near around it, I generally do in terms of walking. <clears throat> it's been a bit different lately because we've been in England. So there was a lot sitting down and not doing anything. There was a lot of that. Anyway, I'm sure my wife will tell you. But um, I can I can easily do three kilometres a day without too much bother. Um, on a good day, I'll do six. Um, and and I've good days and bad days, and sometimes yeah. I don't hardly do anything. Yeah. One of the best things I ever did was I bought. Um, when I first got ill, I thought I want a nice chair that's really comfortable and that will recline if I needed to recline. Mm. I came out of hospital. I thought that you know that was going to be what life was going to be like. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> so we bought quite an expensive one. We got it in the front room, and it, but it doesn't look like a nursing home chair. Right, right, right. I love actually. Right. But, um, that's something I've troubled with, is getting up from getting up from out of a chair or getting up from a table. So I often, you know, that can be a bit of a struggle, but it's just a there's mm. a few things you can do which make it easier. And as I say, I don't know how much of that would have happened anyway, but yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, and, and the
1: infusions and
0: injections are are they continuing or continuing. You, yeah. As I speak, I've got one next week. In All fact, right. I've got two injections next week.
1: And the infusion?
0: Uh no, and I'm off the infusion. That was another thing that went wrong. Because there's um, the stuff that I was having on the infusion. This, um, I can never remember the blood, name. Oh, Um, It can be a big problem if you get tooth issues. Okay. And I did have a tooth issue. As in and tooth I was, ache? Yeah. And I, it was actually, it was sort of hypersensitivity. So I went off to the oncology. There's an oncology dental clinic at CUH. So I went there and they think they did a lot of oo and rin and said, oh, yes, you've got a um, chronic infection in your wisdom tooth, Well, I've got a partially erupted wisdom tooth. Um, and then they found there was another one that's going to need uh, – this is quite recent – that one's going to need um, a root canal, but that's all right. right. The problem is the um, the wisdom tooth, because if you take that out, one of the byproducts of the – um, zometer is it makes the bone hard which is what it's supposed to do and stops the cancer getting in but it also mm. stops the anti uh, necrosis stuff getting in as well mm. so you can get a sort of uh it's not a waste it's just a rotting of the bone mm. Mm. which is quite difficult to stop with mm. without cutting big chunks out, which is something we tried to avoid. Mm. So um, that's a possibility at the moment. But I don't know. But what they said to me was, look, they, they said, like, go away for a month and come back and we'll check you again. And Because I didn't even know about the root canal. It must have been very low-key. Mm-hmm. Um, go away. Uh, use this special toothpaste, twice a day at least, and use the chlorhexidine mouthwash. That's chlorosil, I think it's called. Uh, Use that twice a day at least and make sure you swish it round very well, all the nasty bits Mm. and see. So I did that. And when I went back, they said, blimey, that's improved no end. Mm. Mm. They were quite surprised. And I went in ready to have a a procedure done, which wasn't a removal of the, the thing, but it was to sort of cut off the top of the tooth effectively. And they decided not to do it. So we think we'll leave it alone for a bit and see how it goes. So I still got the root canal down, but that one now hopefully it's all right. And right. when it needs to be done, we can still do that cut the top bit off. Because what the problem is how the infections get into it. Yeah. So because it's partially erupted, presumably that's the root. And so they what they do is cut the top off and sew the gum over it. Sounds horrible, does not it? Yeah, it does, Anyway, right? that's what they do. Um, so I've got that pleasure to look forward to um at some point. And in terms
1: of now and your quality of life, okay, you've talked about the breathlessness. Yeah. They'll need to go into a hospital for whatever frequency for an injection and yeah. you know, maybe That's a.
0: literally of- an outpatient consultation. I mean, okay. a does it for me or he's talking to me. Okay. So. Um, or my GP, I should say. He does it as well sometimes. Okay and I'm not trying
1: to diminish the breathlessness or or any of these things, but generally it feels talking to you. And also, like, I know you're a creative guy, you write books, you you know. Mm -hmm. um, Like, how much is it it getting in the way at the moment?
0: Uh, It did get in the way quite a lot. Right. um, At first, because I couldn't sit in a chair for any length of time. It was quite difficult to uh, type anything. I got a special frame. Um, which actually I don't use now, but it enabled me to sit in the in the comfy chair I bought and have the computer up so I could do it fairly easily. Um I had to lay off the scouts for a little while, but luckily that was over a sort of summer holiday anyway. So um that didn't cause much problem. And I went back to that with the younger age groups. I can't do what the uh, the big boys get up to these mm. days, although I did do in my time. Mm. Um I had to pack it up because I think uh, 70 is old enough for anybody and uh, I'll do. You, you probably would have anyway. Oh, sorry? You probably would have anyway. I probably there. would have anyway. I mean, I haven't I haven't stopped being a scouter. and I haven't withdrawn from the group. I mean, I'll still be doing behind yeah. the scenes stuff, but I just won't be doing the running around shouting and yelling. Yeah. Um, I'll leave that to the kids. So
1: looking at it now, um, and I know it's had an impact in terms of quality of life and times where it's got in the way of what, you wanted to do yeah from here now looking forward do you think it's it's changed how you think about things how you think
0: about life do you think was it a life-altering experience yes it was a life-altering experience because of the physical restrictions that I now have
2: mm.
0: which are not um the absolute living end but our mm. bloody uses mm. um I I do much better if I'm sitting down than if I'm standing up walking about um, I think the cancer certainly—it's not in remission, but it's certainly at a standstill. Mm. If it's not been improving, uh, so that's um, useful. Um, the drugs are still working; the painkillers still work. So I just press on, mm. and because um, I've got no reason to do anything else. I mean, actually, since I, I'd, I've had this uh, disease, I, I've I'm. Um, I'm a director of the everyman the theatre now. I wasn't I mean that's something I've taken on since I uh, since you were diagnosed. Yeah. Okay. So uh, but that's I can do all that sitting down. Yeah. I'm, when I say director, I mean I'm a board director, not that like I'm directing stage plays. Yeah. That would be yeah. yeah. Because they'd all be a Miss my Marple mystery. But um And there's two last thoughts I have. One
1: one is um the if you look back over those three years, do you you think there's something that if you were to go through it again, God forbid, but if there
0: was, that you would do differently? Yes, I would have gone to the doctor earlier. That's a big message for everybody.
1: That's the big takeaway.
0: Do not ignore a lump. I don't care how it is. I don't care if there's nothing wrong with it. Don't ignore it. Even if they tell you it's good, go back again. Okay. Um, I think had I because uh, the lump i did not have a lump at first uh, well it, it, i did have one and it went away and then i had another one and when it when that other one came back i should have run to the doctor at that point mm-hmm. and i maybe would have gained a year okay of treatment in which case it would have been much less serious okay so um that was a mistake okay and but then even, if, even after the event sorry I said that's just being wise after the event.
1: Yeah, but I suppose you do hear that a lot, don't you? Um, yeah,
0: but dude, no, don't never take these things for granted.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially not at our age, for my age. You know? And then if, if 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 you know, almost going back to your psychological approach to it and the, the way you know, I love that idea. I don't know whether I don't know whether I could think that way, and I suppose I, I wouldn't know unless I was faced with the situation you were faced in. You know that that idea that. Now today I don't know how long I'm gonna live. So if I'm diagnosed, why would I change my position on that? Why would I in- interrogate that? Apart from that that kind of nugget of advice, what other advice would you yeah. put out there based on your own experience to people? And probably probably a little bit of, about the mindset because there's Different types of cancer, and people are all different, of course. There are, yeah. And yeah.
0: I mean, I, what's true for me may well be not true for anybody else, yeah. At and the physical end, it, it is similar yeah. to what other people have gone through at various different stages, yeah. I mean, cancer is a funny disease, it's because obviously it comes in multiple different guises and forms, and it affects multiple different, uh. Uh, bodily systems either singly or all together or whatever so it's very difficult to make generalizations about i think in terms of individuals Mm. expectations of what it will be we know that there are some forms which really are deadly Mm. and uh, but even those if treated you know you can get quite a significant extension of whatever the time would have been um if you if but you have to get to the doctor and you have to keep taking the tablets Yeah. um and i think you have you have to be happy with what you've got mm. and that's easy for me to say sitting here with a nice pension and big house and, and 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 a loving wife and all the rest of it um very easy for me to say some people are not as lucky as i've been mm.
1: Um but do you think you recognize that look a little bit more then you would have,
0: yes, yeah. I think one thing I would say is that you don't recognize, or at least if you do, you perhaps only I've been guilty of this, certainly, is you don't recognize the load that it's putting on other members of the family, especially mm. nearest to you, yeah, yeah, because they've got all these horrors and mm. worries, and they don't know for certain, you know, mm. I might just be spinning them a line that I'm really all right, yeah, well, I'm really all right, but I'm still here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with us, then go to our main homepage on Spotify and press the notification bell or the follow button. Then, up to date, you will be kept. This podcast is a production by Artificial Hipsters.